Hello everyone, this is Matt Oberly coming to you live from Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. This podcast has been created for cognitive processes, research-based brain studies for education, 701, a course I'm currently taking at St. Joseph's University. The overall theme of this podcast is going to be how can the limbic system impact learning? And it will be divided up into three distinct parts. The first section will focus on my own personal experience. The second section will explore the story of a good personal friend. His name is Eric Ray, and he's a financial planner. And the third will focus on an experience of a high school student in the classroom I taught. I tried to choose three unique situations to better explore the role the brain's ability to regulate itself plays in the learning process. I will be specifically connecting the role that the amygdala and the hippocampus have played in each section. Hope you all enjoy. This first section will discuss a time where my own emotions impacted my own ability to learn. One of the things that I pride myself on is my ability to uh, compartmentalize my emotions to get academic tasks completed on time and correctly, even when I procrastinate. One time, however, that sticks out in recent memory when this didn't work was last spring. It's my first year teaching a high school age classroom and I had to become certified, which is basically just taking an online course, to administer the Keystone exams. I had completed many PSSA administration modules before and was able to complete them without any problems, so I didn't anticipate this being very difficult. But for whatever reason, I put off completing the module until the day that it was due. Unfortunately, the school day before that was one of those Murphy's Law days. I had a student get caught smoking cigarettes in school, three other students fight, and several others who took advantage of the chaos in the room to access some inappropriate websites during the school day. The process of dealing with all of these incidents, you know, meeting with administrators, writing up the incidents, calling parents, was absolutely exhausting. I didn't leave my classroom until 5.30 that night and still had time-sensitive work related to those incidents to complete at home. I was already pretty upset at my students and at the paperwork I had to complete when, on that ride home, I realized I still had to complete the Keystone module. I can still remember that oh crap moment when it dawned on me. I quickly became overwhelmed with everything that had to get done that night. When I got home, I tried to open two computers and do both tasks at the same time, the Keystone module, as well as do some of the work that I had for school. This went as well as expected, and I, of course, didn't pass the Keystone module. This one negative stimuli then triggered in my amygdala a whole host of other negative memories of not completing tasks and the consequences that were associated with that, and I found myself absolutely spiraling. I tried again, but now the pressure heaped upon me by my own negative thoughts added to me added to me trying to do other multiple things really interrupted my hippocampus's ability to retain the information presented long enough to use at the quiz at the end of the module. I failed it again and had to retake it once again. Fortunately, I was able to pass this final by closing the other computer and taking notes, which helped me answer the questions that I was unable to convert to long-term storage. The second part of this podcast will be a summary of an interview that I recently completed with a good friend, Eric Ray. Of course, that's a pseudonym for his real name. I'm not going to tell you his real name because this is a little bit sensitive here. But um, Eric is a very, very good friend of mine. He graduated from Penn State and he currently works in the financial asset management field. As part of his professional growth, he decided to go through the process of becoming a chartered financial advisor, a journey which involves passing three series tests.
The tests are only offered once per year. They're in June. And the study process is extremely intense, often beginning eight months in advance. Eric had passed his first series test in the summer of 2016 and had signed up to take the second the following summer. However, during November of that year, his wife had initiated divorce proceedings to be with another person. Eric was blindsided by this, but given that he had already paid a significant non-refundable fee for the test, he decided to try to go through the process and pass it. During the previous year, he was able to study for an hour each night after work and dedicate three hours per day on Saturday and Sunday. He prided himself on his ability to block out other distractions and focus on the content of his study guides. He originally thought he could replicate this method in the hopes that it would be able to almost distract him from the divorce process and all the emotions that came with it. However, despite his best efforts, he found himself unable to concentrate and remember the material that he was studying. He said that during the time that he sat down to study, he would often find himself thinking about his relationship and trying to figure out what went wrong. Or he would find himself thinking about the financial and practical implications of divorce, especially as it related to selling their house and going through all the paperwork. He, he understandably did not perform well on the second series test and ended up failing. Um, just as a little aside, but after going through some therapy and processing the divorce, I am happy to report that he passed the second level during the summer of 2018 and recently took the last one two weeks ago, felt really confident about it. Um, but part of the reason why I used his story was because I thought it really exemplified how our emotions can sometimes get in the way of our learning. Um, Eric told me that he said, that some of the thoughts that would go through his head during this process left him feeling emotionally crippled and drained. He said that these thoughts could be triggered by almost anything, from the really obvious ones, which would be like seeing a similar model of a car as his ex-wife drove or hearing a particular song, to the less obvious, you know, things like sitting in front of a fire or watching his dog sit in a particular way. Um, I thought this was pretty interesting because it really exemplified what the amygdala does um, in our learning. Um, one of the things that it's responsible for is for attaching emotional significance to memories. So some of these things that would happen would trigger emotional responses in him that left him completely unable to focus on the testing material at hand and took all of his attention back to his relationship. Because that was going on, his hippocampus couldn't consolidate the information that was stored in his short-term memory and convert it then into long-term memory that he would be able to recall during the actual testing. For the third and final segment of this podcast, I'm going to be discussing at a time when a student was unable to learn because of their emotions. Um, I currently work as a secondary emotional support teacher for a high school classroom in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. My students have a wide range of diagnoses, but all require a high degree of emotional support needs. One particular student, I'm going to use the pseudonym Zoe, had a lot of things going on. Um, she really struggled with controlling her emotions. There were um, suspicions of a borderline personality disorder. She had had a lot of PTSD from past incidents. And throughout the year, we had a lot of incidents with her, but there was one particular one that I can distinctly point to as exclusively my fault, and I'd like to discuss it here. As a teacher, one of the things that I frequently do for my students is I give high fives, fist bumps, handshakes, 
um, verbal encouragement, anything I really can do to try to encourage them to continue working hard when they're doing it. My students typically have not had good experiences with school and Zoe was certainly no exception to that rule. Um, she was a student who I had done these types of things with, you know, the fist bumps, the high fives, handshakes, dozens of times previously, especially when she was completing a math assignment, as she often required a lot of encouragement to get through that particular subject. And um, on this particular incident, I was teaching to a whole group and I'd let the students, I'd given them a math problem to work on. And I was kind of wandering around the classroom and monitoring their work. And as I was doing that, I walked by her desk and I noticed that she had solved a rather difficult problem completely on her own. I walked up to her, said, great job. And then I just kind of gave her a really, really light fist bump on the upper arm. And um, immediately she flinched back and began to scream at me, repeating the phrases, don't effing touch me, you groping rapist, F you, screaming all sorts of curse words. Um, she then threw her book across the classroom, flipped her desk, and continued to scream and curse at me, and then um, kind of darted back to my classroom's peace place, which is just a place where I have beanbag chairs with kind of um, noise-canceling headphones and preferred books, things like that. And she continued to curse me out. She remained in that uh, location for the rest of the day, and neither I nor my paraeducator nor anybody else was able to approach her without triggering another really intense response. I was completely wrong in this situation, of course, and um, I apologized to her directly, um, profusely told her, you know, that was wrong of me. I tried to use as many I statements as I could, and then I also called home to give her mom a heads up. Um, her mother told me that she has a history of not responding well to male teachers due to some of her past trauma and that this wasn't the first time that the incident, like what I described, had occurred. Um, one of the reasons why I thought this was a really good illustration was um, in the moment that I gave her a fist bump, her thalamus, which is the part of her brain that's responsible for taking in stimuli, sent a signal to her amygdala which is where the memories are stored. The fist bump likely triggered a traumatic memory and her amygdala responded by triggering the release of adrenaline throughout her body, making her respond in a fight or flight way to address that sudden stimulus of the fist bump. The adrenaline surging through her body caused her body to react extremely defensively, heightening her senses so that she could react to the perceived threat. This process overtook her body and lasted for a significant amount of time, preventing her from taking in any other academic information that I would present to her that her hippocampus could then convert into long-term memory. So it was definitely a situation where her emotional response to that uh, stimulus really kind of affected her in a way that I wasn't quite prepared for, right? And because she was so heightened, she was unable to focus on anything else for the rest of the day. And even looking at me would kind of start that process all over again. That concludes my podcast on the limbic system, emotional responses, and learning. Hope you enjoyed this podcast and that I was able to provide some good personal connections to the course material and that you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care. Hello everyone, my name is Matt Oberly and the following podcast has been created for my final project in SPE 701, Cognitive Processes, Research-Based Brain Studies for the Educator at St. Joseph's University. The podcast will be comprised of six parts.
The first being the topic and why I selected it. The second being a personal experience I have with the topic. The third will be a recent article about this topic. The fourth will be how it relates to the brain. The fifth will be the topic's implications on learning. And finally, the sixth will be on some recommendations that I have from this topic. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Oberly, and the following podcast has been created for my final project in SPE 701, Cognitive Processes, Research-Based Brain Studies for the Educator at St. Joseph's University. The podcast will be comprised of six parts. The first being the topic and why I selected it. The second being a personal experience I have with the topic. The third will be a recent article about this topic. The fourth will be how it relates to the brain. The fifth will be the topic's implications on learning. And finally, the sixth will be on some recommendations that I have from this topic. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Oberly, and the following podcast has been created for my final project in SPE 701, Cognitive Processes, Research-Based Brain Studies for the Educator at St. Joseph's University. The podcast will be comprised of six parts, the first being the topic and why I selected it, the second being a personal experience I have with the topic, the third will be a recent article about this topic, the fourth will be how it relates to the brain, the fifth will be the topic's implications on learning, and finally, the sixth will be on some recommendations that I have from this topic. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Oberly, and the following podcast has been created for my final project in SPE 701, Cognitive Processes, Research-Based Brain Studies for the Educator at St. Joseph's University. The podcast will be comprised of six parts, the first being the topic and why I selected it, the second being a personal experience I have with the topic, the third will be a recent article about this topic, the fourth will be how it relates to the brain, the fifth will be the topic's implications on learning, and finally, the sixth will be on some recommendations that I have from this topic. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Oberly, and the following podcast has been created for my final project in SPE 701, Cognitive Processes, Research-Based Brain Studies for the Educator at St. Joseph's University. The podcast will be comprised of six parts. The first being the topic and why I selected it. The second being a personal experience I have with the topic. The third will be a recent article about this topic. The fourth will be how it relates to the brain. The fifth will be the topic's implications on learning. And finally, the sixth will be on some recommendations that I have from this topic. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Oberly, and the following podcast has been created for my final project in SPE 701, Cognitive Processes, Research-Based Brain Studies for the Educator at St. Joseph's University. The podcast will be comprised of six parts, the first being the topic and why I selected it, the second being a personal experience I have with the topic, the third will be a recent article about this topic, the fourth will be how it relates to the brain, the fifth will be the topic's implications on learning, and finally, the sixth will be on some recommendations that I have from this topic.